Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you are listening from. Welcome to episode 25 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast, the number one Wakefield Trinity podcast worldwide. I'm your co-host, Jamie Robinson. Now, this is the third instalment in the series of the Trinity Trailblazers. If you haven't heard any of the content in the series before, we take you back in time to an era where the players were world-renowned, but they may have been forgotten now. I'm sure you've heard of the likes of Gareth Ellis, Johnny Thompson, Neil Fox and Derek Turner before, but have you heard of the likes of Ernest Bennett, Mick Exley or even Herbert Kershaw? Don't worry, as neither had I. The Trinity Trailblazers series will define and highlight the true legends of our club from an era that seems like years ago. But before we do that, I'll introduce my co-host, Dad, Lee Robinson. Welcome. What's happening in the world of Trinity Heritage this week? Hello. Uh, welcome back to uh, our podcast. Uh, this week, uh, with it being Easter, it's all been a little bit quiet, uh, but we had a, a meeting last week with the Wakefield Museums Group. Um, they're initially looking for assistance with the Woman in League project, where they're doing um, a project uh, looking at women in rugby league, and they're looking for memorabilia to help them along the way. We haven't got a great deal of women's memorabilia, but we can certainly help them in their own ways. We have a lot of memorabilia um, in our lockups, but they're also looking at other rugby league, Wakefield Trinity angles to help with their museum move in 19, 2023, 2024, moving out of Wakefield 1 and moving further into town. Uh, we also had a visit to Headingley last week. It's always a nice place to go. We never like going to Leeds. But off the field, uh, they're very good in the heritage world. So it's always good to have a look at the statues, the collections and uh, meeting uh, similar equivalents to myself at other clubs. Excellent stuff. I mean, not in, in the real life world, not the greatest period of Wakefield Trinity at the minute, but have you put anything out of interest on the uh, heritage social media sites? Yes, I always uh, love my On This Day in History segments. Uh, and this week on Monday was the 66th anniversary of Neil Fox kicking his first goal for Trinity. That was a Huddersfield in April 1956. It was also the anniversary, the 73rd anniversary of Harry Wilkinson's last ever game in 1949. We'll talk about him again um, and shortly. Wednesday, as in yesterday, was the anniversary of Trinity's 1963 Challenge Cup semi-final win over Warrington. We beat them 5-2 in the mud at Swinton. And 49 years ago today, uh, I had a look at, um, that was today, th a 13-5 win at Castleford on this day in 1973, when some of my favourite all-time all favourites scored tries uh, and, and appeared on the team sheet. David Smith, Mick Morgan and TC himself, Terry Crook. Excellent stuff. Straight on to the Trinity Trailblazers then. Episode three in the Trinity Trailblazers series. This time you've decided to look at two blokes in one and you've called them the record breakers in AK, Neely Crosland and Harry Wilkinson. Talk us about through them initially. These two fascinated me, especially the pre-war ones. Um, we've highlighted two simply because their appearance records. Between them, uh, A.K. Neely Crossland and Harry Wilkinson played 1,147 games between them. That's over a 1,000 between two, two, two players. So they've always fascinated me, uh, the longevity, um, both prop forwards. So we thought we'd have a look at those today in um, both both together. That's an incredible record. I'm I'm assuming without, without the appearance records in front of me, these two must be in the top five at least. 
Yes, obviously, uh, Nahari Wilkinson is the top. He played 614 times for Trinity. Uh, Crossland is third with 533. Uh, and Neil Fox sits between them with 574 appearances. Incredible name. Obviously, everybody knows Neil Fox, but that's why we wanted to highlight these two, just because they might not be as well known. But how many years did it take to achieve that? A lot. And both careers covered both were two world wars. Uh, and although Crosslands was interrupted by the First World War, Wilkinson continued to play throughout the Second World War. Crossland actually is actually, uh, his career lasted 22 years, which is phenomenal when you think 22 years. Uh, he debuted in 1900 and finished in 1922. And his 533 appearances were more remarkable as Trinity shut down in the First World War and didn't play any games between 1915 and 1919. So he had to go play as a guest at Jewsbury. Just think what his record would have been if he'd have played in those three or four other seasons. He'd have top 650. So a 22-year career and 533 games in that period is phenomenal. I remember researching this fella and his career just seemed to go on and on and on. Wilkinson um, debuted in 1930 and retired in 1949. So he had a 19-year career for, for his 614 games. He was almost a very rare breed of player that played in four decades. We've never had one. Um, there's, there's, there's a few around, the great um, Jim Sullivan, um, Neil Fox just missed out as well, I think, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, I think he, re I think he retired in 79. But the, the Wilkinson was quite unlucky, he made his debut on the 1st of January 1930, so he missed the 20s by a day, and he retired in April 1949, so he missed the 50s by eight months. So even though he lasted 19 years, he only played in two decades. I think I might have been right in saying, is Gareth Ellis one of them as well when we spoke to him? It probably is, isn't it? Yeah, I think he is now, yeah. 90s, noughties, 10s and 20s, definitely so. So yeah. how old did it make these gents when they actually played Wilkinson and Crosley? Well, they both retired in the 40s, and they, even though a lot of players made the debuts as a teenager back in the day, these two didn't play, made, the, made the debut at 20. Um, so Crossland was born in 1880 and made his debut in 1900, so he was 20 when he when he started. Retired in 1922, so he was 42 when he retired. That makes him the oldest player ever to wear a Trinity shirt. Imagine he was still playing at 42. Wilkinson was born in 1909, and when he debuted in 1930, he was also 20 years old. Uh, he retired 19 years later, and he was just six months past his 39th birthday, and he's the fourth oldest player to play for the club. So we have another two players to play. We're older than 39, and they're obviously in between Crosland and Wilkinson. We did, yeah. A couple of other longevity uh, players. A Welshman in the 40s and 50s called Derrick Howes. He played until he was 40, retiring in 1953. He was a big second rower in the in that great uh, 1940s team. And then we also had a fellow called John Higson, who made he, he made his name at Hunslet in the early part of the century. Uh, um, there was a, a terrible, I think they're called a terrible six, this Hunslick pack in the early 1900s who won all sorts. Um, he came to Trinity in 1925 when he was 38 at the time. Uh, he played just two seasons, retiring in May 27, and he was five months off his 40th birthday. Interestingly, his son also played as well. I, can't, I don't think they played together, which would have been brilliant. But as uh, um, old man John Higson retired, um, the next, I think he's called Willie, his son joined. So there were there were months off playing playing with each other. Superb stuff. Talking about longevity and ages, are there any familiar names in, in more recent times who've played into their late 30s? Our oldest ever deputed is Terry Clawson. Uh, Terry Clawson had one hell of a career. Started at Featherstone. Um, he had so many clubs in his career. Uh, he was over 38 when he arrived in 1978. 
he, he made his debut on uh, Boxing Day, 1978, alongside Johnny Thompson, who were different age ranges at the time. Um, we had a great, um, great Bradford Northern fullback called uh, Keith Mumby. He played at Bradford. I think he played 500 games for Bradford. He came and had a couple of games with us in 1995. Uh, he was 38 when he played. We have David Topless, who was 38 when he retired, and our one and only great John Thompson. He was he was 27 days away from his 38th birthday when he retired. So they have familiar names who played into their late 30s. Our only Super League player is Danny Bruff. Uh, and I thought when he before COVID hit, I thought he was going to break all records. He was 37 years old when he played his last game against Bradford in the Cup just before COVID hit. And he never played again. So his last game was March 2020, and he was one month past his 37 years. So he's our oldest ever Super League player. Superb stuff. Back to our record breakers. Do we know a great deal about AK Neely Crosland? Obviously, being born. Almost in the 1800s, 1900, he was born in. What do we know about him? I tried to research, obviously, with genealogy now, with uh, Ancestry.com and Find My Past, you can actually track down these, these fellas. With a name like, it was actually called Arthur Keneally Crossland. So it was A.K. Crossland, and his nickname was Neely. So that was fairly easy to find on, on Ancestry. Um, from a personal point of view, he was born in Queen's Place in Thorns Lane in 1880. If you know Wakefield at all, that's near Thorns Park. Um, on, on the Thorns Lane, Thorns Lane is the main road that goes down past Thorns Park. I think Queen's Place was one of these little side streets off there. So that's where he started. His dad was called Charles. He was a rail, he worked on the railways. He actually used to clean carriages. Uh, Ten years later, they still lived at Thorns, Thorns Lane. So that's in the 1890s. He had a lot of brothers and sisters. They all came and went. But his eldest brother, Charles, also played for Trinity. And he played 205 games between 1895 and 1904. So Neely went with his brother down to Bellevue and they uh, played down there together. And while still in his 20s, in 1901, the whole family moved to Westgate. And we think his dad bought a sweet shop. And he was one of the uh, proprietors of a confectionery shop down um, at Westgate. Um, Neely ended up being a mechanic. Uh, and that's when his uh, Trinity uh, career started. He, he fades away a little bit, really. It was difficult to track him down um, personally. I love this sort of personal search we try and do for the players. And it seemed quite a, a sad story because um, in 1907, he got married. He had two children. We think they're called Annie and Ada. But in the 1911 census, he was single. He was a single parent. So we know his wife died. And he said he was a widow on the 1911 census. And he lived with his uncle in Lord and Rodney Yard. Now, Lord Rodney Yard, I think it's the area next to the ridings, just off Westgate, near the York, where the Yorkshire Bank was, where the hotel is. So there was a lot of terrace houses there. So he lived there. Uh, he married again in 1912 to a lady called Annie. That story disappeared, and we tracked Annie down to Stanley Royd in 1921, or the West Riding Asylum, as it was called. All a bit strange, all a bit sad. We don't know what happened to the children, but he, he actually sad, sadly passed away in 1929. He was in Doncaster. We don't know why he was there. So in all this, in, in all his 533 appearances to Trinity, he had a bit of a story as well. He was a cab driver at the end of his life uh, career. Um, so his, his off-field uh, life seemed a little bit tough. Tell us about his on-field exploits. It was basically a rough, tough, robust forward back in the day when it was a very slow game. So he was one of the bigger forwards. He was only 14 stone, but he was one of the biggest in, the, in his day back in 1900s. He gained county honours. He, he won a Challenge Cup in 1909. Um, we've also we've noted that his brother Charles played um, for Trinity in 1900. 
uh, and and Neely made his debut in 1900 at, uh, at Liversidge in a 15-0 win. That was the first of his 533 appearances. He was a durable forward. Obviously, he must have been durable because he played all those games. He hardly missed. There weren't many injuries in those, those days. Um, long before they had set positions, so all the forwards just piled in a bit like rooks and malls in rugby union these days. There were no play the balls. It was basically the ball on the floor. Everybody piled in. Uh, and then the first man sort of got the ball up and passed it to the scrum half and off he went. Now, we also found out that it was a bit of a, a ball handling forward. And in, in, in the stories I found out, he was the main man who used to, if they didn't have a scrum half, he used to actually hold the ball in one hand and throw it out to the uh, centres and wingers. It was a bit like an NFL quarterback style, setting up the star backs in the 1900s. So that was his skill. Um, as I say, was durable. He, he passed the record. Jimmy Metcalf was our initial uh, record breaker. He was a full back who used to kick all the goals. He played 375 games and nearly passed his record in 1913. He passed 400 games a year later and he got to 500 games in 1920 because they missed all the war. So that was his story. Um, a very durable forward, played 22 years in the pack in the forwards. Uh, and his highlight was this one handed NFL style of pass that he set up many tries from the uh, Rooks and Malls. Now, this will link in nicely to our other podcast we did the other week, highlighting the season, seasons in review from 1908-1909. But did, did many honours come his way? He was. He, he played for Yorkshire. Uh, he played for Yorkshire on seven occasions, uh, 14 years apart. He made his debut in 1905, but played his last game in 1919. So, again, longevity. He was a, a quite a durable fella. Uh, he, played his, he made his debut in 1905 against Lancashire at Hull, and his last game was against Cumberland at Hunslet. So there were the days of the county championships when you had Yorkshire, Lancashire, Cumberland, and you rotated where you played your home games, Yorkshire, Lancashire or Cumberland. Um, there was also stepping stones to get to this Yorkshire side. It wasn't a case of just getting selected for Yorkshire. And the Yorkshire trials were quite uh, an achievement to get into. Uh, so he, for the and they faded away for the first six years. He was selected for the trials, and it was like a possibles versus probables trial match, and the best ones got picked. And he got picked every year for the first six uh, years of his uh, his career. So that was uh, his his claim to fame. It was also a shame. I've, all, I've just mentioned that he hardly ever got injured, but he did pick up one bad injury. And would you believe it was the week before he was playing for England? So he got picked for England in 1909. It's, I've got down, he suffered a serious injury. I think he did his knee at Ulkington Rovers and he missed four months. And would you believe that England match was in those four months? The only long period he had in his 22 career. Um, he actually got, a year later, he got back for the 1910 tour trial. 1910 was the very first Great Britain tour down under. He got selected for the trial, but didn't get picked. Um, so in, in all, he played for Yorkshire on seven occasions. He had in, he got picked for England. He got picked for an international trial, but he never actually pulled on an international shirt. So five hundred and thirty-three appearances for the mighty Trinity in eighteen playing seasons. That that is an incredible record for for anyone in, in any standing, but especially in war times. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just. Um, just that lucky, that unlucky injury that uh, that missed it for for well over for many years. He just played thirty games. At I think for ten successive seasons, he played thirty games and hardly, hardly missed a game. Um, it was obviously a lot slower in those days. It probably meant that you could actually play to your forties when he retired in nineteen twenty two. Um, but we've also got to admit he was also a massive. Um, part of that 1909 Challenge Cup winning side. We mentioned that on a previous um, podcast when we reviewed the season. So that great 1908-1909 season, they won the Cup 
not at Wembley, but they won it at Edinburgh, the beat Hull. They also won other cups along the way. They won the Yorkshire Cup. They won the York, the Championship. Uh, so yeah, that and, and he was also club captain. He also had a, a testimonial in. 1920, I think, or 1910. No, I had a testimony in 1910. So Yorkshire Cup winners, captain, testimonial. He had a, a fair career, and it's and obviously it's fair to say he was, he was our record breaker for for 25 years. Is it? I think obviously he was the record appearance maker until Harry Wilkinson passed him. He did, yeah. Nobody will hardly anybody touched him. Obviously Harry Wilkinson passed him in the 19. 40s and then Neil Fox passed him in the 1970s, <clears throat> 60s, 70s. So, and he, he, as, as I say, he retired in 1922. In fact, it's 100 years ago. I, I have to do something to celebrate him a bit more because he retired 20, 100 years ago. Is it April? Did I put April down? Is that his last match? I'll, 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 fi I'll find that out. But it'd be a nice thing to do. He retired 100 years ago this week, um, which is uh, another nice thing. So we've mentioned Harry Wilkinson very briefly. We'll move on to uh, to the record breaker, Mr. Whitfield Trinity himself. It seems like. What do we know about him? It's a shame, really, because even though he was a lot uh, younger than um, Crossland, I can't find a great deal about him. With a name like Harry Wilkinson, it's difficult just to pin him down on the on, on the ancestry uh, uh, sites. And uh, I, I know he was born in October 1909. I think he was born in Charleston. Um, he joined Trinity from the reserves. He came through the youth and reserve system. So I can't find out where he lived. I don't know who he married. <coughs> um, I don't know his job, although I have a sneaky feeling um, he worked in the me a mechanics place. I've seen that written down somewhere. So but his off-field off story, I can't find a great deal. You mentioned he's, he's, in the past he's been a bit of an unsung hero at Bellevue, but how, how do you define being an unsung hero with, with 610 appearances? He's all of it's down to research, really. The fact that, like this, I couldn't really find a lot about him. You know, all, a lot of the period, he made his debut in 1930, retired in 1949. And in that period, with Herbert Goodfellow, we had Mick Exley, we had some wonderful players, uh, all in our Hall of Fame. I couldn't find everything about those guys, maybe because they had names like Exley and Goodfellow. But Harry Wilkinson, I couldn't find him. You, you look through the history of Wakefield, there's not a lot in there. Um, you look in the history books, <clears throat> he was actually called H. Wilkinson in the... In the in the sort of mini mini um, biography of his name, they didn't even put his first name. So I always thought he was um, quite an unsung hero. He just plodded away in the front row, just kept not missing many games. Um, I do know he was he was five foot eight and fifteen stone, um, which again compare that to modern day prop forwards. Uh, and according to the 1946 Wembley programme, he, he classed him as a strong, he was strong in the pack, he was tireless in the loose, and always a good work, hard working and competent forward. And that's what I probably meant by being quite unsung at the time. Trinity were developing into a formidable force in the 1930s, weren't they? The word it was a shame the Second World War came about because we were, <coughs> we, we were getting there. Through the 30s, we built up a great team. Uh, obviously, Wilkinson in the front row. We've mentioned Goodfellow at scrum half. Mick Exley was a, a, an international second rower. We had um, Billy Teal at full back. We were building a good side. Uh, and by the late 1930s, we got to the Challenge Cup semi-final in 1937. And we were ready. It looked as though we were going to be ready to take the 40s on. Uh, and then the World War came. Uh, and obviously, we lost six years. Um, 
they did play through that era, but we didn't win a great deal. When it came, when when it all finished in 1945, then we won the cup in 1946. But all these players were aging by then. Wilkinson was 34 himself, and an excellent and good fella. And Teal was all were all past their 30s. So we had, we had, we did have some good days, but I reckon we could have been even better if the war on had come along. Sounds like typical Wakefield that been taken away when uh, when we were about to. <laughs> Obviously, research is a bit sparse for him, and it's a bit difficult to see what he was like on field. But do you know much about what it was like with the ball in hand, or, or you know, on on grass? He just seemed like a very just a consistent forward in the Trinity pack. He missed very few games. Um, he hit the uh, he hit the three hundred appearance mark just before the war broke out. But Wakefield continued to play, even though it was um, <coughs> a wartime league. We did play constantly. So, again, I don't know what his job was. He obviously wasn't in the army because he played all the way through the war and didn't miss many games. So I'm not sure what he did back home. There's a a story there about. I need to research him a little bit further if I can. Um, He continued throughout the war years, as I said. He he actually played 96 consecutive games from 1939 to 1942. That's a record. There's nobody beating that. Um, I think David March is the second one in '95, so he was one one off was Marchy um, before he uh, before he left. From 1932 to 1947, he played in seven Yorkshire Cup finals, but we only won two. Uh, we won, we lost them all in the 30s. We we beat Hull in 1946 and we beat Leeds in 1947. Um, he was he was captain in '46, so he, he lifted that trophy. But he was the cornerstone of the pack that won the cup as well. So we when we beat Wigan at Wembley in 1946. He was the corner. He was a number eight cornerstone of that uh, that forward uh, forward line. He actually got a testimonial in 1947, which was a little late because he'd done 17 years service by then. But obviously the war had intervened and it affected any sort of money raising tasks that uh, for him. Similar to AK Crossland, were there any kind of representative honours? He did. He played in an era when it was quite tough. So he did play for Yorkshire. He did play for England. <clears throat> but a lot of sort of critics said we could have had a lot more. Again, I keep talking about Goodfellow. He seemed like one of the best uncapped um, scrum halves did Goodfellow. He's a, he's a trailblazer all on his own. But Harry played. Uh, in 1936, they made the first of his eight Yorkshire appearances, playing at Workington <clears throat> against Cumberland. And his last Yorkshire appearance came in 1946. Um, and he also he also played against the Kangaroos, the Australian Tories at Bradford as well for, for Yorkshire. He represented England on four occasions between 1943 and 1946. In the days of, um, we had, um, it was like a mini European Championship, I think France were in it, but he played, he just played against Wales. All his, his, his the, the three of the four games were all against Wales and they're all, all at Wigan as well. Very interesting. Did his, did his time at Trinity end when he retired in 1949? Amazingly, didn't. Would you believe? It, it, even though he retired in 1949, he stayed at Trinity till 1966. So that's another 17 years. He was part of the, he was part of the coaching team. Um, he joined the coaching staff in 1949 with a particular responsibility just for the forwards. And as I say, remained there as the forwards coach for 17 years. And when you bear in mind those 17 years were the glory years, we went to Wembley three times. Um, we, we went to two championship finals. We won Yorkshire Cups. So it was part of, you look on the, the team photos of those glory years of Fox, Turner, Poynton, Holiday, Brooks, Skeen, you name it. Harry's always on there. He's always on the side. He's on the bench at Wembley. Um, so, yes, he sort of really played his part. So when the sort of Hall of Fame awards came around, he was one of the first inductees into it. Because you bear in mind, he joined in 1930 and left in 1966. That's one hell of a, um, one hell of a career. A monumental amount of appearance between these two icons. That that's some legacy, isn't it? 
Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, I just I, I, that's part of what Trinity. I wanted to do with Trinity Heritage, so I highlight these fellas. When everybody had heard of Harry Wilkinson, even though even not so much his career, we'd all known he played six hundred odd games because a lot of them were after the war. Crossland hadn't, you know, it was before the First World War. I'd never heard of him before I sort of set up Trinity Heritage, and when I researched him, his career just seemed to go on and on and on. They were two of the first people we put on the Hall of Fame. In the very first one in 2014, Harry Wilkinson went in. And then in the second um, part in 2015, Crosland went in. So these two fellas sit alongside Parkin, Turner, Poynton, Fox, Brooke, Exley, oh, Goodfella, Don Fox, you name it, we've got some stars. So these, these two fellas were two of the first 16 inductees into our Hall of Fame. Excellent stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 25 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast and the third instalment in the series of the Trinity Trailblazers, highlighting the record-breaking duo of Harry Wilkinson and A.K. Crosland. For more updates on the history of Wakefield Trinity, follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and on Twitter at WT Heritage Pod. Thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson, my dad. We will catch you all on Monday night with a special interview with the one and only Gary Price. That is a special exclusive and we will announce that on Twitter as well tomorrow. I have been Jamie Robinson. We will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscomara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast. With Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!